All right, friends. Um, we didn't have too much time, but just something to get us um, into the, uh, the atmosphere of Matthew chapter 5. Uh, and that is where we will be today. Matthew chapter 5, salt and light. So does anyone remember what we talked about yesterday? Our last week, I should say, not yesterday. <laughs> does anyone remember what was the topic? Who was, who was preaching? Andy. And what was Andy talking about? The Beatitudes. Yeah, very, very good. Sisters, very strong work. Brothers, let's, let's work on this. Let's work together. Um, <laughs> you guys are just being gentlemen. Uh, there's there's uh, these three chapters, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, which basically make up the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus spoke the sermon. Guess where he was? It's, he was on the mountain. And that's why it's called Sermon on the Mount. It's pretty cool, huh? He was... He was teaching a lot of people, and this sermon summarizes Jesus' teachings here on earth. Now, here's the thing. A couple of years ago, and I'm sure you guys have experienced something similar. You read a verse. You know, sometimes you read the Bible and you just read it because, you know, it's your daily reading plan. Sometimes something jumps at you, and sometimes you fight with verses. Have you guys ever done that? You read something, and you're like, I don't like how that sounds. I don't like how that, what that says. Honestly, that even goes against what I've been taught. Like, this is just, and you're like, I probably am understanding this verse or this chapter incorrectly. Um, so just full, full kind of, um, not a full, but a partial confession. I, I had that with chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. Meaning, I didn't understand, and I will be honest with you, I still am just beginning to, like, scratch the surface in understanding these chapters. But... One thing that I, I did have towards these chapters was like this feeling, and this was, I remember a couple of years back, I was going to TCC, a lot of TCC folks here, um, and I, I remember just reading over it, and I'm like, this does not fit, especially the thing of like, turn the other cheek, you know, love your enemy, um, you know, blessed are the, the poor, blessed are this, and I'm like, everything is flipped around, you know what I mean? If you, if you literally think about Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Everything that you physically want to do, uh, everything uh, uh, that you naturally react with, 5, 6, and 7 literally goes against that. So if, if you want to punch someone, you got to get punched. Literally, like that. And all, like, there's like hundreds of those things in these three chapters. It's the teaching of, of Jesus Christ. Now, reading this, and I was taught a certain way, and I think most of us have been taught that these chapters... Um, they are very real for our lives today, right? Like, they are supposed to be read by us. Our pastor, Pastor Peter Sanko, uh, before communion, he would recommend that we read 5, 6, and 7 literally, like, every month. So, like, meaning that th this is something that we have to live out today. I was like, it's impossible. And I, 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 someone gave me a sermon, like, hey, listen about... Um, the Sermon on the Mount, listen to this preacher. This is a preacher who's very famous um, in, um, if you guys listen to the radio, nine, the radio station 91.7, and he's like, he's always on there, and I, I respect him. I don't agree with everything he says, but a lot of the stuff is very solid, and I listened to that sermon. I remember where I was. I was in that, that health, new health building. I was on the fourth floor, you know, where you have the, at TCC, uh, where you have the place where you could walk out. There's like a little errand or thing. 
um, like, uh, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? People who went to TCC. There's this, this held building. I remember where I was sitting, I was listening to it, and it was just filling my soul, and I'm like, this is it. Because this preacher was saying, these three chapters are not for today. They're for the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ. They are Jesus's constitution, right? Like, we have a constitution. Well, this is Jesus's constitution when he makes uh, his... A government here on earth in the thousand-year reign. And I was like, yes, that is what I needed to hear. It just, it fit because what that means, I don't have to wrestle with these verses or these, or honestly, these three chapters. I can teach about them easier now. I could be like, yeah, this is just about, but I, if someone, I would never like preach on them because I'm sure that's not, I, I still wasn't sure about it really, but I was like, I really liked how that sounded. You know, it's not for us because it's really impossible. And this preacher kind of went down a very logical route of this, this life that we read about here is physically, like physiologically impossible for humans to do. Like literally impossible. And um, I liked it. I liked the sound of that. It, it fell here and I was like, case closed. But really I understood something, something is still off. And I remember years after that, well, not, it, it's been only a couple of years, I'm always like, I was always like, I, I need to listen to the other side. I need to listen to someone. So I bought this book by um, Martin Lloyd-Jones last year, and I um, just started to read it. It was a very heavy read, and I was like, I'll get to it sometime. But this, this series has helped me, you know, go through that book. And so some of the things I'll be sharing will be of that book. Um, and what, what I want to share with us is that Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 this is a sermon for us, <laughs> and it's, we, we cannot just give it to the people that are going to be living in the th- thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ. You guys know what I'm talking about in Revelation? It talks about Jesus after everything is done here on earth, the judgment and all that. Jesus is going to come back, and there's going to be a thousand-year reign, they call it. It's going to be Jesus' total government. There's going to be peace. Lion is going to be with the lamb. Everything is just going to be perfect, and then you know, there's going to be a couple of other things, and you know the story of the, this world will be finished as we know it, is how I interpret that. P- other people interpret differently. But I want to propose to you, and I believe this series, the brothers that were preaching, uh, I've been listening, like, is, you know, are, are we preaching about this? Like, this is what we're, if Jesus starts reigning in five years, this is how we should act. But right now, we're all safe. You don't have to turn the other cheek. You don't have to give your, your coat when someone, uh, you know, tells you, like, give me your clothes or give me money. You know, you don't have to act like that. We've been teaching it a bit differently, and I believe that's how we've been brought up as a church. We, no one, like, literally said, this is how you should believe, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. But we believe, I believe most of the pastors do, that this is for our time today. Now, Sermon on the Mount. Luckily, I got the easier portion of this series, salt and light, very black and white, right? There's salt and there's no salt. There's light and there's darkness. So let's start with Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Together, you are the salt of the earth. If the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by People, you are, light, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamb and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's probably the hardest part 
of this thing, right? Like, because when we're reading this, we shouldn't just be passively like, I mean, I shouldn't be passively. I'll just speak to myself. Reading this like, okay, you know, cool. I guess, you know, it makes sense, right? We, all this, we are the salt. We are the light. I remember in my room, I had this poster, and it, there was a light bulb and a, like, salt pepper thing, and it just said, be these. I bought it in a Christian, like, bookstore, the Diamonds Bible Bookstore by Ross, like, 10 years ago, and just recently took it off because it's just taking too much, um, too much space. But, you know, when we read this stuff, like, let's, let's think about this. And we're just going to go very quickly through some of these uh, words and some of these sentences. But the last part is kind of what verse 13, 14, and 15 come to. And it's, let your light so shine before pe- people or men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So it's a call to action. There is a certain lifestyle that we're being called to in these verses. And we're going to talk about salt and light, very similar, uh, but there's uh, some differences. So... Let's start with the first word of a chapter of Matthew 5.13, and that's you. You are the salt of the earth, verse 13. And then verse 14, you are the light of the world. You, as I said in my um, intro, this pertains, I believe, as of right now, to us today. It pertains not just to the preachers or the pastors or the Sunday school teachers or the cell group leaders. It doesn't pertain only to the bishops or certain people in the church, and it doesn't just pertain, this word you, to the church in general. Like, well, the church should be this lighthouse in this weird culture, in this weird world, and should, you know, you know go to court against, you know, some kind of bad laws and do things you know, tell the government not to do bad things. When we're talking about you, we're talking about you specifically. We're talking about me, Andre, and we're talking about brothers and sisters. Those of us who are sitting here today, we are part of the church of Jesus Christ, and individually we are called to what uh, verse 16 told us, your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now, before we can get to there, we will break apart quickly some of this stuff. But one thing to remember, this is speaking to us on an individual basis. Jesus is speaking to the crowds. There's, I don't know, a thousand, a hundred, and he is speaking to them directly. He doesn't, he doesn't talk about, once I establish my church here on earth, you know, the Roman Catholic Church will be this, or, you know, the Baptist or the Pentecostal. No, he just talks about you, specifically talking to the people that are listening to him. We are literally able to listen to the words of Jesus Christ because God in his wisdom gave us the ability to uh, have his words on paper. Someone wrote them down just a couple of years after Jesus died. Someone literally took his words, wrote them down, and before that, someone probably wrote them down in his diary or her diary. And so we have them here today. Secondly, let's talk about salt. You are the salt of the world. Let's actually go a little bit further. I, I switched one thing. Let's talk about the world. So we'll jump, talk about the world, and then talk about salt and light. You are the salt of the world. You are the light of the world. What does it tell you about the world? It's dark. That's a good one. What? Yeah, I like that. Like, I love logical thinking. Like, if we're the light, then the world is probably dark. 
It also tells me that the world's probably decaying. If you think about it, back there, salt was used to preserve meat and other foods because they didn't have the refrigerator systems that we are fortunate to have. So people would just pack uh, their meat or like lather their meat with salt and they would put it away somewhere and this meat would be able to be taken on a ship and like they could sail for a month, two months. I don't know how long it lasted, but it lasted. They were able to eat it and not die. Here's the important thing. When we talk about the world, we talk about our culture, we talk about our nation, we talk about our state, we talk about our city, we talk about our schools and our jobs, we talk about, and I'm not trying to paint like this horrible picture, but that's what the Bible is telling us. The world is where we live, all right? It's the people we interact with on an everyday basis. It shouldn't, and you'll see, it shouldn't change the way you look at them. You shouldn't look at them like, oh, I'm better and, and you're worse. You're decaying and I'm just blossoming. You know, you're, you're, you're uh, dark and I'm, I'm light, right? But that is what the Bible tells us, that the world is dark and that there is this light, that the world is decaying and it is tasteless, right? Because that's the other thing that salt does. It makes things that aren't tasty pretty tasty. Like imagine food without salt, French fries without salt. Anyone? Yep. That's, I mean, I, I've, I've heard people have done, you know, ask for French fries without salt. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But salt makes things taste better. We'll agree with that, right? We can see from this, just from this statement, you are the salt and the light of the world, that the world is decaying and that the world is tasteless and dark. Now, what does this tell us about us as Christians? When, I'm just assuming, when people would pack meat with salt, what would they do? Would they take a bunch of salt and put it in one specific place on that meat? You know what I mean? Just like you, you have this slab of steak and you take salt and you just put it on a certain place and you're like, that's all good. That steak is ready to, to roll for the next couple of months in a ship and you just put it in a ship. No, you got to take the salt and you got to lather the steak, I'm assuming, right? Or when you have your food, you don't want to like be eating whatever it is you're eating and half of it's salted and half of it's not because you're like, you know, you got to mix it. I don't know. You got to do something, but it's all got to taste the same. When we're thinking about our position in the world, we have to understand that we are not called to, to make this Christian country as believers. Does that make sense? We are not called by Jesus Christ to congregate into one single place. I have nothing against all, all of us moving to, you know, where, which, whichever state. Let's all move to Alaska. Let's do it. You know, if it's better, there's nothing wrong with that. You just logically go, you know, by, you know, economically, you want to go to school, you want to go to work. But I'm saying people sometimes said, you know, that is a Christian country or this there, there is no such thing, I, and I want to be careful with saying this, but there really isn't such a thing as a Christian country as of right now. You know what I mean? There's no such place where God's like, all the Christians need to come into this country and just congregate there, and we're just, we're really going to make things salty in that country, and everyone, everywhere else, it's all going to be, you know, decay, I don't know, nuclear war, like whatever. That, that's not what we're called to. We're called to actually 
live normal lives. We're called to go to school. We're called to have good jobs and good positions. We're called to drive cars. We're called to buy houses. We're called to live in this world, infiltrate every area of this life, to be like, like uh, the first church was everywhere. Persecution started, they would spread everywhere and not just in a single place. Now, that being said, there will be a time in Revelation where Jerusalem, where Israel will be the center of what God is going to be doing. God's going to be moving people. But I'm saying, do you guys get what I'm saying? That there's, there's really no such call in the Bible to move to a certain country. And let's, let's make Germany Christian. Let's have all the Christians just go to, go to Germany and live there. You know, that's not what we're called to. We're actually called to live normal lives. So is it okay to go to, like, monasteries and just, you know, chill for a couple of years? You know how monks do it? They go and they, like, read and they pray. Honestly, I don't think that's wrong. But I, I think that should be your recharge. So if you need two years to really recharge and then to, like, make an impact in the world, then you do that. But it can't be a lifetime. That's literally anti-biblical, anti-theological. You can't spend 80 years of your life living in some mountain if you're not actually working, doing what you're called to do. And what are you called to do? It says you are the salt and you are the light. You can't be salt just sitting there by itself. You can't be light if there's no darkness. That is your function in its like entirety, is to salt things, is to prevent things from decaying. And it also tells you that the world is going from worse to worse, right? What is the state of the world? It's going from worse to worse. And there's, you guys know that place in the scripture where it says in 2 Thessalonians that stuff is going to go down like revelation style go down, like, I don't know, nuclear war, whatever, when the one who is, uh, in Russian it says, udjerzhuvayushi. You guys know what, I, what that means? Someone who holds. So it's um, in, in different uh, American translations, English translations, is the one who restrains is going to be taken away. So there's going to come a time where the one who restrains is going to be taken away. People say, you know, that could be the governments. The government, like order in the world is restraining chaos from happening. I don't really think so. I think more, more likely, and most theologians will agree on this, is that it's the Holy Spirit, the Church of Jesus Christ, and believers. The Holy Spirit, the Church of Jesus Christ, and believers. It can't just be the Holy Spirit because if the Holy Spirit is, you know, is taken from the world, but the church and the believers are just left on earth, that's kind of, you know what I mean? Like, like David's like, don't take your Holy Spirit away from me in the Old Testament. You know, return to me the joy of your salvation. Like, life without the Holy Spirit is no life at all, right? So if, it's, if the Holy Spirit is going to be taken back and if he's the one who restrains, it's going to be the church. It's going to be the believers. It's going to be the salt. And once the salt is taken out, stuff starts to decay. It's going to be like, whoop, like chaos. I don't know what it is. We get a glimpse of it in Revelation. Um, and if you want to sleep well tonight, I recommend that you go home and you read yourself some Revelation and, uh, and you go to sleep. And maybe God will speak to you through the night, give you some, some insights. Um, so do you guys get what I'm saying? So just a couple, a couple of points there. Um, yes, we'll just move forward. Not called to live in isolation, and the world is going from bad to worse. And even, like, if you think about it logically, salt, how long does it preserve things? A month? A year? Right? But not forever. We're not eating food from 2,000 years ago. If you are, you're not. You're not. 
But you get what I'm saying? So even if they were salted like, like crazy, it's, stuff still goes bad. So it's, there's, I believe the church of Jesus Christ, Christians and the Holy Spirit, they're to preserve. But even with the preserving, things are getting worse. And so God made everything perfect, right? That's why we don't believe in evolution. God made everything perfect and things go from perfect to bad to worse to revelation. Um, and now let's talk about salt. Uh, it says you are the salt of the world. What does that tell you about you? It's your, you got to be salty. That is your calling here on earth. You have to be salty. At work in the morning, you better be salty. In the evening, you better be salty. At school, you better be salty. What does salty look like? Salty looks like um, you preserving biblical morals and order in your environment, wherever it is. It could be with the language that is being used. You, want, you, you know, they, people know this person doesn't use that language, doesn't feel comfortable with using that language. Um, so we won't use that language because we respect this person, right? Like things like that, very, very practical stuff. We won't get into that. What, what else does it tell you? It tells you that you make things taste better, right? Salt makes things taste better, meaning you have what true tasty life feels like as a believer. And what is that? You have Jesus Christ and all his beauty. So you're living life and you're just like, wow, the flavors. I just had the best time with God yesterday. I, I was reading the word of God and man, my soul was rejoicing. I was being convicted. I was crying. I was, I was happy we were singing. I was in church. We were having fellow. And you're, you are experiencing life at its fullest while the world that is, by the way, tasteless without Christians is trying to build up some kind of taste, right? It's like someone needs a surgery and people are just getting anesthesia. You know, it's not, it doesn't work that way. You gotta, you gotta go after the real, you gotta get the taste. You gotta fix the problem. And the Christians have that. Next, light. It says, you're the light of the world. What does that tell you about you? It tells you that you I'm going to say it. Um, you, guys, you guys probably had dads like that in your families where um, when the lights are on during the day and your dad walks in into the, the house and was like, what's going on here? Just like, you know, are you guys paying for the, for the, for the electricity bills or am I paying for the electricity bills? Let's, let's turn these you know, bad boys off because it's day outside. You, you have a sunroof. You have windows. We're called to be light but not just any kind of light not just put not just picking up your high beams you know while driving on i5 and just you know just giving the other the other lane some heat you know what i mean like they're driving and you you got your lead your custom lead lights in your in your car and you're just like that i mean that's light that's light all right but that's not really the light that we're called to we're called to a specific sort of light and this is this is, what, this, is where it, um, this is where we find what kind of specific light. It says, let your light so shine before men. Do you guys notice that? So? So there's a specific light. We're not, we're not here to like, you know, you know, pick up like get super fancy um, flashlights 
and just like into people's faces, you know, and the person's like, I can't see anything, and you're like, boom, light, here you go, this is the way to live, like, I'm better than you, I, I don't cuss, and you do, I go to church, and you don't, and the person's like, fine, yeah, you're better than me, but they don't get anything from that, you know what I'm saying? Same thing with driving, you just, you hit up those high beams, the person gets that your beams are bigger than his beams, but that doesn't really do anything. It's, in fact, it's worse for him. That person might be like, man, I can't, I can't even drive just normally, you know. I, I, I don't want Christianity like that. What the Bible calls us to is to be a light that brings glory to the Father who is in heaven. What kind of light is that? That, I would say, would be our homework for tonight, too. If you guys go home and just say, how can I... As a believer, live my life. Because you know your situation in school. You know your situation at work. You know, you know what kind of people you're surrounded by. How can you very, listen to this, humbly, humbly, that's the first ingredient in, in any of this, humbly, in love, but with assertiveness, be the light. How can you do that at your work, humbly, how can you do that in your school humbly? But that is the kind of light that people look at and they, they do something. Listen, they, people seeing that light, they don't start glorifying you. They don't start saying, man, you're such a good person. A weird thing happens, which is very spiritual. People start to glorify your Father, who is God, who is in heaven. Meaning people start to recognize that there is something bigger than them and than you happening here. Why are you being so nice? Why are you being so caring? People at first will be cautious. Why are you being so gentle? Why are you caring? But if they see that you're doing this with humility and that you're, you're, you're helping, you're merciful, you're gracious, you're lending a hand, you're always there to help, and you, most importantly, aren't high beaming people. I remember I was walking out and mom's like, my mom's like, hey, what are you preaching about? And I'm like, salt and light. And she's like, oh, she's like, oh, that's pretty easy, right? You rub the salt into the wounds and you high beam people into the eyes. And I'm like, that's exactly what I'm going to be preaching on. And that's the kind of humor we have with my mom. Um, we, but that is not what we're called to. In fact, we're called to do the opposite. Yes, we preserve. Yes, we are the light. But we do this in the most loving and gracious way possible. And I promise you, God is going to stand up for you if you do this in humility. If you say, God, I don't, I, my situation is weird. I want to be the light, don't know how to do it. Help me. God will help you. God will teach you. God will show you exactly what you need to do. Not to be overbearing, but also to be very assertive and very correct, very biblical in your walking. Here's the interesting thing. Um, before we finish off, look at this. Salt. It says you are the salt, and we're, we're just, just to wrap things up, what, is that, what does that tell you? I mean, salt basically is made up of sodium and chloride, right? Sodium, N-A-C-L, like that's what we eat, sodium chloride. When we talk about salt, we're talking about a, I, I, in my mind, I was imagining this. We're talking about a one-time deal that happened. It was like salvation. God took you, and he made you from nothing. He made you from metal, and he, um, I mean, he, he, he had you. You were nothing, and he created in you, or he made you into salt, meaning he combined his chloride with your sodium. 
okay? And you became sodium chloride, taste. Do you know what sodium does by itself? Have you guys ever had sodium? Have you ever just messed with sodium in like a lab? I hope you guys don't because if you guys do buy some sodium in on Amazon, put some goggles on, stay far away from, from water and chug that thing into the water. I was watching videos of this. The stuff explodes when it touches the water. It is so incredibly unstable. It's, I think, like the 11th element on the periodic table. It is so unstable. You take it, a piece of metal, just pure salt, I mean pure sodium, and you chug it, and it explodes. It's just like, and it, and it sizzles, and if it gets on your skin, it sizzles your skin. That was you and I and the world before we met Christ. Do you not agree? Isn't that a beautiful example of our situation, our minds, our hearts? We were in chaos. We didn't have peace. We didn't have joy. We were in total oblivion of, to the purpose and the meaning of life. We were running around not knowing what we were doing. Explosions, stuff happening, and that's how the world lives. But then God, in his mercy, he, 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 he showed us his grace, and he gave us his chloride. He gave us his word. I don't know, whatever you call it. He combined it, and we became not only a stable compound we became useful we became tasty we we started to preserve things from decay we got function right we got a reason to live we're not just like a a semi-dynamite of some sort we're actually you know christians we have we the world needs us literally if we're preserving the world so that is who you became but that's that's the interesting thing about because if you talk about the light though if you talk about the light, though, if sodium chloride is just, you combine, you combine, you know, sodium chloride and you got salt. Perfect. Light doesn't work that way. Name one source or one light that doesn't need any kind of fuel. Anything. Just think. Let's think about this. Any light that doesn't need any fuel. Candles. The sun. Flashlights. Flashlights need batteries. Candles need, I don't know, wick or wax or whatever. Um, the sun needs the sun. The sun burns itself. That's how it, it has fuel, right? Like anything, you know what I mean? Like fireworks, like that has fuel. Any kind of light needs a constant source. And if you want to be a constant light, you need a constant fuel for your life. So I believe what Jesus was saying is that, yes, you are a new creature in Christ Jesus, but you're not just by yourself. You're not just alone. You need to be 100% at every single moment of your life, plugged into the source of energy that is going to allow you to be the light. Do you guys get what I'm saying? You need to be in Christ 24-7. Literally 24-7. Because in the world that you live in, that place is dark. I tell you what. That place is, that place is dark. So the moment you are disconnected from the source, you no longer become the light. Same thing kind of with the salt. And we, we, it kind of says in verse, I believe, 14... If the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? Notice that. That's talking about believers. It's talking about salt, right? We're talking about sodium chloride. That's like, you know, you're a new believer. You were just chloride. You, you got connected to Jesus Christ. But there is a chance for us to lose our saltedness or whatever it's called. And I believe that's if we aren't connected to the source of light or if we begin to waste our lives, if we begin to... Um, be diluted with things. When you talk about salt, we're probably diluted with, I don't know, politics. We begin to dilute our Christianity as salt with um, pop culture. We begin to dilute our Christianity with 
our, you know, our unbelieving friends and what they want us to do. And, you know, before you know it, you're not even salt anymore. You're just like people are drinking the water and they're like, is there salt in here? And you're like, you're in the, you know, you're part of the bottom. You're like, yeah, I'm here. But you're so diluted that it's hard to tell. Is this Christianity? Is this not? Like, yeah, it's just like, they're, they're pretty much cool with everything we do. And you're like, yeah, I get, you know. I mean, not us, but, you know, a person who's diluted, a church that's diluted is like, yeah, we're kind of like the world. Like, we, we, we get culture, pop culture. We get politics. We need to be involved in that. We need, we need all this stuff of the world. And soon... Christians are no longer salt, they're tasteless. They've diluted themselves. And so I think the two important things to take away from today is, first of all, be connected to the source of light, of energy for your light. And secondly, do not dilute your Christianity. Walk in holiness. Uh, make sure that your line shines humbly, shines humbly before God. Don't, don't beam people in the face. Show them the way. You know, you know what I mean? My dad always used to get me for that. You, you ever tried like holding your light for your dad or something? Girls probably not, but guys, right? And you're like, you're like looking somewhere else and before you know, you're like shining on the ground and your dad's like, dude, come on. You have one job. Just stay over the thing. You know, at night when he's fixing something in the thing, just shine the light where it needs to shine. There's no purpose of the light if it's going into the wrong place. You guys get what I'm saying? So we need to show the people the way to Jesus Christ. Point our lives to Jesus Christ. And people, before you know it, at your jobs and in your schools will notice that you're different and will glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let's stand and pray.